0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Polar Times, the podcast that brings you science and stories from literally the coolest places on the planet. You're here with me again, Jack Buckingham, and on today's episode I'm joined by a fellow podcaster. She is an artist and a photographer from the UK who was fortunate enough to be part of an expedition which went to... I'm going to butcher the name of it, but uh, it went to the east coast of Greenland. I'll just let her explain. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, to document the experience as well as taking photos and videos, when she was out there, she decided to record a podcast. Um, this podcast kind of, it comprises of like sounds recorded on the trip and snippets of interviews, which she did with her um, expedition companions. I suppose. So we chat to her today all about her experiences in the field, why she decided that a podcast was the right format for communicating uh, this message or her experiences. Uh, We talk all about the contents of the podcast itself. Uh, The name of the podcast is a Greenlandic word, which literally means the sound of it. Uh, We'll be linking that in the bio of this episode. Uh, Again, you'll hear me butcher the name of it a few times in this episode, for which I heartily apologize. (laughs) Um, Seriously, it's it's incredible. I can't recommend enough that you go and listen to it and check it out. It's this really kind of immersive, almost meditative kind of listening experience. It's very relaxing, very calming, just what we all need. Uh, but yeah, and it's also got some good uh, like science communication gems just sprinkled in for good measure. So yeah, thanks for coming back to Polar Times, and I hope that you enjoy today's episode.
1: Okay everybody, and please welcome to the stage my guest for this week, it is Chloe Russell. Hi Chloe, how's it going?
2: Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on, this is very exciting. Uh,
1: thank you for coming on to Polar Times, we're excited to have you. Yay! Okay, so this is the first section of the podcast, we call it the icebreaker because it's where we get to know you, our guest. <laughs> So yeah, so my first question is always, who are you and how did you come to polar life?
2: Okay, so my name is Chloe Russell and it kind of began when I was speaking to my friend Shannon, who was on my course at Marine and Natural History Photography in Falmouth. And it was a few years after we had graduated and she's a sailor. And she started talking to me about this expedition that she was part of and it was in greenland and i it sort of sounded like a fantasy world it was the way that she was painting it and then she just kind of dropped the question it was like oh do you want to come and i was like no like really <laughs> okay yeah let's 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 think about this and i had the funds to do so and i took the opportunity and i went to greenland and it 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 sort of set off this Arctic love of mine. And I've realized that I've been to Iceland, I've been to Lapland, I've been to Greenland now, and I've gone to all these different spots around Scandinavia, and it really resonated with me to the point that I, um, I even took one of these DNA tests to see where I was from. And then I found out that a lot of my heritage is up from Scotland and Iceland and Norway. And I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> This makes sense, yeah. I, I'm definitely driven to go here. Like, that's sort of where it all began, really.
1: Mm-hmm. And so you are an artist to your background. You're doing photography yeah. at yeah. university at the time. So to, why don't we talk a bit about this actual expedition? So this was an expedition to an area of East Greenland called Louis Boydland. And it was kind of an expedition to, it had a scientific focus, but it also, there was the expedition team was made up of artists as well, I believe. Yeah, so, that's right. So sense. you so you were one of thank you. <laughs> so you were one of these artists who was invited to go on the trip. So what was the kind of aim I suppose of the expedition? What was it? What did you go to Greenland to do?
2: Uh, and Lydia Wainwright she wanted to collect people from all walks of life and a big part of this trip was to do with art and science. And we were going in the wake of Arctic explorer Louise Arnaboyd, who was a scientist, but she was also a photographer, and I think she also did sketches herself, so she had this combination of art and science in her. And Anne, our, our leader, she is, I think primarily she's an artist, but she's doing a PhD to look at women in the maritime, so that's how she found Louise, and then she was following in the wake of Louise. And... Anne wanted to compare Louise's photos from 80 years ago to photos that she could take to measure how climate change had affected the last 80 years. And with her, she brought a team of artists and scientists and the scientists were more on the range of looking at ocean plastics and the artists were mixed disciplinaries, like we had painters, we had drawers, we had we had people that did poetry. And where I fit into this was photography. And I didn't anticipate doing this, but I brought with me a handheld microphone and I I brought I brought like four cameras and I brought this microphone. And it really striked me that it I couldn't not film the environment I was in. I I, I just I just went to maybe record some sounds and just take loads of photos. And I ended up doing video stills and audio. And I did written poetry as well. And I was just trying to like collect as much inspiration as I could in this trip because it really just like, really, really took your breath away. It was really beautiful. Nobody else was trained as I was to be a photographer in this trip. And I think that's where I really fit in, in that place.
1: Tell me a bit more about the expedition, I suppose. So how long did you go for? How did you get there? What was the, like a rundown from start to finish?
2: Um, So it was seven days in total. And we had met as a team only maybe three times beforehand. And then we all met in Iceland which was very exciting. We got a connection flight in this really, really small airplane, which was very cool. And it kind of like wobbled as the wind kind of touched it. It was very like, wow, adventure time is like beginning. And then once we went from Iceland to Greenland, we got on top of a schooner boat, which was part of North Sailing's boats. And it was this like amazing boat. Just honestly, it's just, so, I, you've probably seen photos of it now, it's just like, it's so gorgeous, like absolute big, it looks like a pirate ship, it's just like amazing, and we all jumped on board, and the first night, we were on open sea, and that was really hard, <laughs> that was really rough, most of us got seasick, and then on the fourth day of travelling, we, f- we found Louise Boydland, and we landed there. And then we made our way back, and we landed about four times, I want to say. But the thing that really was like, whoa, that was like, no man had touched there was when you went on shore, where you'd see sand. Usually, it was just full of gemstones, like the size of like your fist, like everywhere. And it was just, and it was just like, whoa, this is this is beautiful. And we even saw. Um, polar bear prints in the in the in the sand or like the rocks or however. And the thing that really struck me was the silence in this trip. Because of the fjord system, there was no wind that could get through and there were no birds in this area either. And there were it was there was hardly anything living. It was like you were walking through a history book. It was anything that had happened from the last people that were there, say so fifteen years ago, where people had to like travel into these huts to mark that this territory was still theirs. It would have happened like 15 years ago and no one else had been there but no wind had even moved anything and it was just, it was chilling. It really pounded and resonated within you because it was just nothing nothing I had ever, ever even thought about before.
1: Wow, what an incredible trip. So you were sailing from, from Iceland to the east of Greenland. On this, so we were, we
2: were so, we got, we landed in Greenland, and then from oh, Greenland sure. airport, we went, we we cruised up.
1: Okay, wow, yeah, incredible. So um, I suppose it's hard for people listening to imagine what uh, Greenland even looks like. Um, mm. You've just done a good job of describing some of it, and it, you were there in August, so it was summer, so it was fully light the whole time you were
2: there. We, we did experience a bit of this midnight sun, but it, we noticed the further we went up north, the lighter it was becoming throughout the night, but there was never, it was never fully sunshine. I think we had just missed that part, but the lowest I think the sun had got was this, it was just like just behind the fjords, so that's, that's probably the lowest it got.
1: And I was going to say the best way for people to kind of picture it, short of Googling uh, East Greenland, is <laughs> to uh, listen to the podcast that you created yes. whilst you're out there, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, so, you create whilst you use um, sounds and interviews with other people on the trip to create this podcast called, I'm going to attempt the name Galera.
2: Yeah, that's okay. pretty good, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm so sorry to everyone who speaks that uh, Greenlandic <laughs> language. <laughs> uh, but that means... Myself. Sure, go for it. <laughs> uh, galecha. galecha. Okay, it means the sound of it. So, <laughs> and you said you didn't intend to create this podcast before you went, or was that always something you were going to do?
2: Well, I, I went out there with a few cameras, and my partner, Ben who's the composer within Galera? he said, take this, take this microphone, you've used it before, just when you're out there, just don't even think about it, just record sounds if you think they're interesting, and maybe I can make something later on, even if it's just to put texture in some of his music, and I recorded these sounds, and it, like when you when you hear it in the microphone when you're recording them it's just you suddenly get so it's like a completely different experience even though you're in that environment listening to them anyway so it's it was a really enjoyable thing for me to go around and like listen to it and i think i began to get really encouraged to like seek out some of these like interesting textured noises and when i got back it ben and i spoke about but we went we went through the sounds And they, they, they definitely have a sort of different immersion to them. Like you can look at photos that you took on a trip and you, you kind of look at them and you think like, wow, that's, that's really beautiful. But it, it doesn't, sometimes it does, but it doesn't take you right back there. But when you hear the sounds, it's, it's a completely different world. You're like, oh, yeah, I can remember a thing. I, like, you can even sometimes smell things that you're like listening to. Like, if you hear like the food, you're like, oh yeah, I remember like, the taste of that. And suddenly you just get this like, whole picture in your head. And I think that is, that's what Galecha is about. It's really catching the essence of the trip and really trying to immerse people in the trip and trying to recreate this really special experience that we had. And we had, Ben and I spoke about this for two years. And it was always one of these ones where you you have an idea and you you just think okay like I will I will get on with that and you don't you just like find other things just get in the way, and I I think I was inspired. I, I moved to Bristol and I moved in with them, and I was inspired by first of all I was inspired by a. Um, have you heard of Pint of Science Festival?
1: I have, yes, and I'm sure a few of our listeners will have heard of it as well
2: Yeah, Yeah. so Bristol has their own creative reactions, which is like a subcategory of Pint of Science and they were doing one in Bristol and I applied to do it through my photography which is this like, bacterial art stuff, which sounds really, really gross, but they look really cool. (laughs) So I applied to do that, and they liked my work, and they paired me with somebody. And it was through this, this creative reaction that I thought, oh, like, art and science, like, I kind of get it now, it's, and I've seen so many different varieties through this collaboration. It encouraged me to do a master's in science communication, and I thought, well, Let's think about this, I could actually use all this theory that I'm going to learn, and I could actually try to propel this idea that I have with Greenland, and then that's how it fell into place, like in my research project that I handed in last week. Ben and I created Galera, and I managed to find a study for it, which I had no idea that I could even, even, like, utilise and that's that 's how it all came together,
1: well, firstly, congratulations on finishing your your study <laughs> last week
2: yeah, oh my God
1: yeah, and for those listening who aware of Pint of Science, I suppose it's this, like you say, it's a science communication kind of art science festival that sprang out of this idea of people giving little mini talks in the pub, basically, to members Mm -hmm. of the public. That's Mm -hmm. Pint of Science. It is good, yeah. And you say with Galeha, you wanted to, I'm so sorry, with the podcast, (laughs) you wanted to create um, this kind of immersive experience from your trip. And I have to say, I think you have definitely done that. Congratulations. Oh, it's, it's lovely to listen to. Everyone oh, Everyone listening now definitely needs to go and listen to it because you really do get this sense of, sense of that's the name of one of your episodes, sense of wonder from yeah. <laughs> from it. Oh. Yeah. So like you say, you've done all this, you recorded all of these kind of sounds. You have like ice breaking um, water from the side yeah. of the ship, um, that side of stuff. And also interviews with all of your fellow artists and scientists on the expedition yeah. and it's some of the things yeah. that they say I suppose which really kind of drive home the place that you're in and I was going to say they do a very good job of like painting a picture of what it's like they talk about this kind of yeah. fairy fantasy lands that is hard to describe and
2: yeah.
1: um, I think the, um, at the risk of giving away spoilers the very first line that someone says on the podcast is like it's it was nothing yet sort of everything the silence and that's <laughs> kind of then that. the theme going on. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so you're there in Greenland, uh, only uh, seven days on this fabulous ship sailing around. And you're kind of following in the footsteps of Louise Boyd, like you yeah. said. So when you say following in the footsteps, you said you had her, like her actual photograph. So she went in 1931, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Quite some time ago. We literally able to see her her photographs and like hold them up next to the scenery and be like that's there and
2: I wasn't particularly on that as much as Anne was but Anne has she's done a whole PhD in this she's got she's got oodles of content on this and I asked her if she compared these photos like is there a difference and she said that Looking at the photos, there were points where Louise was in the same area that we were, but she had ice up to the decks. And I'm literally quoting this from one of the episodes, which is really funny. But yeah, she went at the same time of year, which was August, and there was ice going all the way up to the boat. And obviously, if that was the case for us, we wouldn't have been able to even reach Louise's, Louise Boydland. Um, So it was like a really bittersweet thing for us because it, it was a bit of a suck it and see like we didn't know what to expect it, we, it could have been completely iced up and we had no way of knowing because nobody had actually gone there in the last 80 odd years. There was a big difference but interestingly when Anne compared Louise's photos of Louise Boyd land, where there's land and there's two glaciers that embrace it And these glaciers hadn't receded as much, and Anne spoke to some glaciologists and they said because the seawater and the current is so far away from where we had to go, this warmth from the sea didn't reach these glaciers, so the glaciers hadn't receded as as much as they, they could have done when they got further out to the open sea, I mean. So that was interesting
1: yeah that is interesting because everyone just imagines that all the glaciers are shrinking which is true in most other places yeah yeah Yeah. I did um I did my field work in South Georgia um and it's quite it's quite that was a really harrowing memorable moment for me when you get some of the older guides or people who've been there season Mm -hmm. on season on season and they just point at a glacier and they'd be like I remember when that was down there Uh... like not that long ago so yeah but it's really interesting in this phase i suppose like you say it's just protected a bit from the there's like a microclimate almost they talked about this moment on the podcast where you've actually got mountains all around you because the Mm fields are so windy. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Were you working with local guides or like the Greenlandic government? I assume they gave you permission obviously <laughs> to be there.
2: Yeah, that is correct. We had to get permission from the Danish government and that was that was part of the fact that it was so remote is that because no one's allowed to go there. But apparently an average of two people can go into some of the places we went into, but they are actually indigenous people looking for whales to eat. So our boats were rented from North Sailing in Iceland, which is a company we're now affiliated with, and they do a lot of whale-watching research, and they, their crew, some of their crew, came with us, and it was the first time that they had actually experienced going into this place before, which was really exciting because they do do tours in Greenland but never to this place so it was it was definitely like a big experience for everybody involved but we did ha- however have a tour guide with us who has been to Greenland want to say 24 times it was definitely over 20 times and that was like whoa wow <laughs> okay Um, And he, I think he had actually been to the area that we had been to before, definitely like the furthest in than anybody else. And he had lots of stories to tell us. And one of them was, whenever we went on land, you would see these huts. And there was this one hut where we went inside and he told us some stories about the Indigenous people there and how he used to go kayaking in Greenland. Like he would just go like on a trip where he would just kayak with some friends for like weeks, which is, which blows my mind. Can you imagine if you fell in, it would be <laughs> All your stuff would get wet as well. But this particular hut, there was like white hair on the door, which belonged to polar bears. And the door had actually been scratched away by this bear, not all the way in, but like a load of the wood had been like scratched away. And he said that there were people inside and in Greenlandic, they had written inside the, inside the shed that they were in there at this time. And then he said that he was there with a group of people before. So this, was, this wasn't as further into the fjords and they had to all jump on top of this tiny hut because a polar bear had seen them and the polar bear came all the way to see them and they had guns and they were shooting, not at the bear, but they were shooting around to sort of scare the bear away but the bear just circled them around this hut and they think the, the reason why the bear wasn't scared was because they are so used to the noise of ice cracking and it kind of resembles that bullet that just really sharp noise so they, w- they weren't bothered by it but what they did do was um, shoot a flare gun and that eventually got the bear to leave and that was like Collie, oh. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine <laughs> yeah
1: yeah insane so did you have much time on shore or were they just like brief visits just to have a look
2: around it was it was pretty brief yeah it was it was brief it was really beautiful at the same time. There was this one place we went to where there was a really big lake, and the colour of it was red. And I think it's from the, the rocks and maybe the- I'm not very good at geog- um, geology, but <laughs> the, I think
1: it, the minerals of the stones it all right. yeah, sure, mineral. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it was gorgeous, it was, yeah. And again, no wind, it just reflected everything, like a mirror. Gorgeous.
1: It must have been kind of eerie to have no wind, because that's what you imagine is the coldest part, the wind. Yeah,
2: yeah. And that was another thing, it wasn't that cold, except when we were next to a glacier, and the wind coming off of that, so cold, yeah.
1: Wow, fabulous, what an incredible experience. Shall we talk a bit about the, the podcast now? Yeah. Uh, yes, awesome. So like I say, everyone should go ahead and listen to it. It's easy to find and we'll put a link to it in our description bio as well. So you said you just literally had just a little microphone that you're just taking recordings yeah. of.
2: Yeah, and It's it looks like a Zoom microphone, but um, I think it's called a tech microphone. I just got all the noises from that, but it was, it was, it was sort of annoying because as the making of Galera happened, we realised that we really wanted to use 3D sounds. And we we sort of got over this by using a panning technique, which is when you move the sounds into different, different areas around your head. But it would have been much better if I had a microphone that recorded the sounds all happening around me at that time. But I was not to know that we would even be making this project. But there were ways that we could we can move around this but yeah just like a little little handheld microphone
1: that's always the way with field work i think uh everyone polar listening will empathize it's not too, you get there and you think oh i wish i had this a Realist. b and c <laughs> so uh yeah totally understandable um so it's quite an interesting podcast really in that all of the episodes are only a few minutes long it's Very more true. of a you describe it as kind of a listening experience and you want people to listen to the whole thing from mm. start to finish but you obviously did interviews with all of your fellow expeditioners is that the right word golly i should be better <laughs> i should be better at words for a podcast host, shouldn't i yeah um so i was just wondering why you decided to go with that format was it not tempting to publish kind of like their whole interviews because i'm sure they will be interesting (laughs) that's That's obviously what we've chosen to do at polar times
2: (laughs) that's a really good question i suppose i mean the interviews themselves were so amazing it was really difficult to pull out themes and and cut so much information and ben and i are, are toying with the idea of releasing the whole episodes but then it it sort of takes that magic away because the if you listen to the whole episode, then listen to Galera afterwards, you'll be like, I kind of already heard that. Like, I already got the tingles before. And the idea originally was to make it an album. And we we weren't sure if we were going to distribute it as a podcast. We were thinking, well, maybe we could bi- distribute it as an album and a podcast. But then you get platforms like Spotify, which have both podcasts and albums on them. And if people search them, it can... It can change the algorithms and it it can it makes it unbeneficial for anybody so we decided to do it as a podcast and this decision was about halfway through and at this point each episode had been planned to only be about three minutes each and I, I think the reason why we wanted to keep them so short was because we really wanted to push the music part of and I suppose because it's an album, like that's the format, it's just, they are very short. But it was, it was really difficult to cut so much information. It was really, really hard. It, it pains me. <laughs> 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 so much awesome, awesome content. And maybe one day they will, they will reach the public eye because they, maybe they need to maybe they should
1: well it's very it's very effective and if the kind of the tingles and the experience is what you want to give people then that definitely works i suppose you're able to just kind of cherry pick the nicest
2: yeah
1: um, it's out and it's good because like like you say a lot some of some of the episodes it's like mostly sounds under music and then a couple of them near the end it's more they're like all talking but they have a theme you know, mm-hmm. the, the plastics in the oceans bit and the, the climate change, the melting mountains one. So you definitely can take, you know, a, a message from a podcast as well as music from an album from it. Yeah. So that was a really good balance in my yeah. humble, unqualified opinion.
2: Distributing as a podcast means that it can fit into a documentary, nature, science podcast. But if it was an album, it would fall more into like ambient or even electronic music. And although it has these elements, the, the themes of nature and science are much, I mean, it's a science communication project, so you need to, you need to pick your audiences. And I think using a podcast was going to utilise this more appropriately.
1: Mm-hmm. And did your, so did your musician, was he, you say he's your partner, so he, uh, did he come on the expedition as well, or was it just from... No,
2: he didn't, but he feels like he pretty much did. Right, so... Interviews so much.
1: And so you just created this music from your photos and descriptions then?
2: And- yeah, exactly, exactly. I collected um, all my field notes, all my photographs, all my videos, and I tried to immerse him and myself back into this trip. And I tried to communicate as well as I could this intangible feeling that we all had there. And that was, that was only one slice of this pie, if you will because we, we got stuck on, on what we should communicate, because it, it, was, quite, it was quite hard to, to explain to Ben the way I felt, because some things you, just, you can't put words to, and I really felt like this, this was one of these things. But then it, it came together when I began interviewing the four other voices in Galeha, which are Amy Pryor, Laura, Melissa Williams, Wanda Bodner and and Lydia. And when Ben could hear these conversations, it kind of all clicked at that point. It was just like, oh, this is this is what you mean. Like, oh, that this language, like I suddenly like this like makes so much sense and that connects with that. And it was through this coding that we we got the episode topics. Having these conversations with the women that went there, it suddenly opened me and them up to the experience again, because we don't very often get reminded about Greenland, because there's, there's nothing really to make you think about it. I mean, unless it's like really, really cold, you're like, oh yeah, I suppose it was a bit like that. <laughs> so having having this conversation, having these conversations with the girls, it was suddenly all these emotions and all this experience, they all came flooding out with one another and it was recorded. And that essence was captured. And that's, that's, that was the inspiration behind Galera. It was like all these messages were finally coming together.
1: That must have been really nice to be able to do um, the so interviews nice. afterwards. So nice. Because yeah. I, was, I was nodding vigorously then. Because it's so hard to describe an experience in a yeah. polar place to someone who's not been. And then if, you t- if you're talking to someone who was there, it's just like, well, you know. <laughs> Whereas yeah. you come back and you're filled with this overwhelming like want to just talk about it constantly all the time
2: (laughs) so so
1: yeah so yeah um, definitely everyone needs to i was going to ask how you came up with the episode titles and if there was any as i say some of them are linked to what is then talked about the snippets of interviews that you had
2: our first one prologue this was so in my study i did a pilot activity and i had two surveys, one of which was, they're both Galera previews, and one was a audio visual, so basically just a video with the audio behind it, and the other one was just the audio. And I asked participants to tell me how they felt and mark off some qualitative and quantitative questions. We, we always were just going to call it intro, but then I, I spoke to my, I spoke to Ben's dad and he said, why don't you call it prologue? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's a prologue? And he was mm-hmm. like, you know, at the beginning of a book. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. So we called it prologue. And the last one, which was For's story. This was a bonus track, which we didn't intend to make. And we kind of, it was going to maybe be integrated into the podcast earlier on, but we just couldn't find the space for it. And... Four was our chef, and there was a point in the expedition where I was in the cabin, feeling a bit seasick, and four came in, and we were playing with the microphone, I was showing in my sounds, and he asked if I knew what ASMR was, and I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and so I put the headphones on, and then like, he told me a story and it was lovely, and we've we've used that. So actually, funnily enough, that's the only track that has dialogue from the expedition in it. All the other ones are new interviews.
1: And is he speaking Maybe. Greenlandic in this story?
2: Uh, Icelandic, yeah.
1: Icelandic, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, do you know what, did you tell me what the it's story was story. about? It sounds <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's very intriguing at the end. Oh. Did he tell you what the story was about?
2: Um, I didn't find out until recently because I didn't have any means to ask him. And he talked about what we were doing, so that we were sailing back south because because the expedition had was coming to an end. That he was getting that the crew were getting ready ready to pick up a new team of people to go into a different part of Greenland. He, what else did he say? I think he said that oh, because we were running low on fresh water, we had to rush back because we, our water, which we were using for everything, um, we had to collect it from fresh water streams which was really beautiful to experience and watch and know that it was the water is so clean that you can literally just like drink it and that was it really he also called me funny and beautiful which is very (laughs) nice
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shout out! (laughs) out (laughs) okay incredible and so you were talking about and so this then became your master's project so and there was a bit where you mentioned the, your questionnaire at the end, which I assume is now closed because that was part of your
2: yeah study. yeah
1: what kind of questions were you trying to answer? What was your hypothesis I suppose so
2: my question was how can sonifications create connections to the environment and so originally, so I wanted to create this pilot activity to see. If, so, for instance, we're getting all this information thrown into my head right now. So, <laughs> we, we're all used to like watching documentaries on the television, and they are incredibly ins- inspirational, and they have inspired many generations beyond for this interest in the natural world. But how does this communicate to audio? If we listen to the natural world, are we going to be engaging with it and... And are we gonna be entertained by it as much as if we were watching it? So the pilot activity was made to do a comparison of how people how people responded to an audio visual, to an audio version. And to my surprise and pleasure, the audio only group found it more immersive. And they also found that they preferred the dialogue more than the dialogue a music combination or just music and I feel like this might be because the people that are listening are more engaged with the storytelling and the narrative and they're, they're more engaged into listening the story and that that also credits the fact that they felt more immersed. Then I created the main survey and my findings were so, 70% of participants found it pleasant. 57% found it immersive, and that they their they, their thoughts could be taken away from everyday thoughts. That's probably like written so badly. And 80% prefer the dialogue to music or a combination of both. And then I began to talk about emotion. So, people um, people felt that. They were really calm after listening and they also felt really concerned and they also felt really connected and the the feeling of calm was quite interesting because I asked participants to describe what they were seeing in their mind's eye when they were listening and the thing that people said was water and blue so then I began asking myself well what does thinking of water and blue to our brains and it's thinking of blue has a calming effect to us and it also has a positive effect for us. And I thought this was a really interesting correlation because people are actually saying that they do feel really calm and they feel really connected. And it's, it's strange that they're also thinking of blue. And I was wondering, well, maybe there's a correlation here of why people are feeling so immersed. It's because they're, they're imagining this water scene and it they kind of all fed back into each other. Yeah, that's
1: so exciting because yeah. <laughs> that is a really to achieve that kind of immersion from somebody listening to something that you've created. Yeah, is quite unique, and I have to say, well, I you know I listened to it myself and I felt immersed, and that's great, and that's because you actually talk about that in one of the barriers broken down episodes, and you know the issues that people have with climate change and environmental stuff is because there's this barrier to feeling. A sense of ownership or belonging in that space. And that's what you're trying to break down with. That's right. Kodeja. And that's what you've definitely done. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, what do you think? What were the highlights? What was the best and worst bits of the expedition for you?
2: Ooh, okay. The best bit, you know, like besides the the obvious embrace of nature, I think it was actually just having the collection of people there to share that experience with because every individual on that on that boat and there's probably about 14 maybe 13 of us there was we came as a team of nine and the rest were crew and every single person there had an amazing background and it was so amazing to learn about them and it, it went I don't know if it was because of the environment that you were just and Maybe the air was so thin as well. It was just like everything was just, it was so inspiring to meet these people and just like stand next to them and just be like, wow, like, look at this. Like, I've, I've never, I suppose this is it. I think it's being able to share that experience. I think that was really, really touching. And in terms of bad things... <laughs>
1: I suppose in my own experience of expeditions it was the seasickness on the first few days yeah. and the toilets on ships as well <laughs> the downsides of
2: <laughs> expeditions. Yeah. I, would, I would agree with you the first mm-hmm. day yeah I would totally agree with you the first day when we were on open sea going up I was not anticipating I think it was over it was like over 24 hours of being very I wasn't sick, but I felt awful. And Laid I out. Sat, yeah, I was like sat next to people that were just throwing up all around me, and that was not very nice experience. Hi, I've just met you a couple times, and I you everywhere. <laughs> yeah. that, that wasn't great. Hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> worth it. Part, yeah. all part of the experience. <laughs> it
2: was. It was. Yeah. It definitely set out a new experience from that get go.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, it brings you close together once you've seen that from someone Yeah. <laughs> um, I also another question I just wanted to ask you was what kind of how did you feel when you got back immediately from the trip do, do you remember did it invoke anything oh, specific yeah. that has stuck with you I suppose beyond the obvious like wow did that even happen <laughs> yeah.
2: We we all felt so out of it I felt, I, I felt really, I suppose it's like a reflection of the environment. I felt, I felt in my head so isolated, but I was absolutely fine of it. It was a really strange combination. I felt really, I felt really disconnected to everything around me, like society, like all these like cars going by, the noises, so many people, the smells. And I just, I, I felt so like... I speak isolated, like I didn't feel alone. I just felt really pleasantly isolated. And I even remember going to the the pub about a week after I'd come back. And it was just, it was such a strange feeling. Like I just felt like I was in this complete darkness, but there was... It, I felt, I, I said to my friend, like, they said, to like, how are you feeling? And I, I remember saying something absolutely, like, it's like philosophical bollocks. I just felt like, I felt um, like without darkness, there is no light. And I just felt like, what the hell did I just say? But it <laughs> literally, like, it's exactly how I feel. Yeah. And that didn't go away for a long time. It definitely impacted me. Yeah, I suppose it's just being in, like, such a big environment and just, like, knowing you're so small in that, and it really puts things into perspective, and it, it stays with you, I, like, I've, he- I've heard about it in um, people who go to the desert as well, it's, like, a really similar feeling, and yeah, it's, it's interesting, you, it, it puts things into perspective, yeah. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Would you like to? Would you like to go back if you got the chance to Greenland again or other bits of the Arctic?
2: I would love to go back to the Arctic. Yeah, I would love to explore new places because I feel like that was just that came at a certain time in my life where I really needed it, and I will. I, I'd, I'd happily let it let these memories sit of where they are because it was a very good experience for me. I definitely want to go back to the Arctic for sure yeah mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Okay, awesome. And what I suppose is your main message from the podcast? What do you hope that people will listen to it and take away from from
2: that? There's, there's a lot of messages going through in Galeha, but the f- thing that we really want to do is connect people to nature, and I think it's a really it's come at a really important time where we can can't travel to nature places like so much that like, we can't even go outside at the moment and I really hope that Galerha can offer a chance to escape from this crazy pandemic world we live in and we can actually just immerse ourselves into the beauty that is there and it's 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 sort of bittersweet. Like the reason why we, we can't go to these lovely places right now, but they are actually flourishing without us being there. And that's a nice, that's a nice message to take away, to think about. And it's just, it's connecting people to nature like it's part of us and we need to, we need to keep that connection going even when we can't physically maybe go there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, excellent. And I think everyone, like I've just said before, definitely if you want to feel connected to nature, listen to Galeha. So that brings us to the last bit of the podcast we're calling the Polar Plug, where we give you our guests a chance to talk about something for a few minutes without me interrupting. And so take it away. Chloe Russell, what are you plugging for us today?
2: So I'd like to take this opportunity to plug the musician, composer, sound designer, production sound guy, that is Ben Imber. Because without his skills and creativity, oh my God, the creativity, Gleirha wouldn't be anywhere near as what it is now. Like I've got no skills in sound at all. I don't even have a microphone. It's Ben's microphone that I took with me. So I really like, he is amazing and he's got amazing music he's in a duo band i don't know if you can call it a band it's a duo but it's called a forest and it's one word and they're doing really well they're on the radio now which is awesome and ben's got his solo work which is under his surname which is imber which is i-m-b-e-r and that's also on the radio so he's doing really really well and his music's wicked so definitely check out his awesome sound skills
1: okay fabulous there you go we can even if you want we can even link that in the podcast as well oh
2: yeah I so
1: it. yeah totally so a check out Ben Imba and also check out Galeha on um like we'll link it through like I said through the bio but you can probably can you get it on Spotify and Apple and yeah. stuff like that as well yeah, I think I listen to it on Apple so iTunes yeah. so we're not paid by Apple but I've just said <laughs> it a few times in just yeah. then it <laughs> should be yeah yeah all right, so that brings us to the end. Unfortunately, of another episode of Polar Times. Thank you so much for listening and for coming back once again. If you'd like to get in contact with us and ask a question for a polar person or recommend a guest, you can email us at thesearepolartimes at gmail.com. Once again, that email address is thesearepolartimes at gmail.com. You could also tweet apex at polar underscore research. So yeah, leave us, um, leave us a little rate or review or you know a little five-star recommendation on all your little podcast shops and tell people about polar times so yeah all that less is to thank my guests for this week so chloe russell thank you so much for coming on to thank you very
2: much for having me Please note that whilst this is an Apex production, views and opinions expressed by the host and any guests are entirely their own. Do not represent the views or opinions of Apex or any other host institution
0: mentioned.